Wilson. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, just great to, to be here uh, with family. And uh, the, the message today uh, really comes from my heart, and it's something that Chrissy and I have uh, lived, wrestled with, struggled with for uh, 30, 40 years of ministry, and that's called to be healers uh, with Jesus. And the passage is today from Matthew 20, 29 to 34. Um, I'm also super excited. Uh, two of my fellows are here, and so I'm also more nervous. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> So as, as customary, before we launch into the message, uh, we have a, a question for you to, to discuss amongst yourselves. And that is, um, if you could ask God to heal you of anything, if Jesus was here right one-on-one -on -one with you, what would that healing be? Is it something physical? Is it something emotional? Is, is there something spiritual? Uh, so just pair off in your small groups, twos and threes, and just share with each other, what would that be if Jesus was here and he was going to heal you? What would that be? Go ahead. Take a few minutes. Take your time, okay? Don't feel rushed. Okay. So let's... Um, um, to that in, in, in a little while. Towards um, uh, Gospel of Matthew, I'm just going to summarize real quickly at the beginning. Uh, also known as four to seven, heaven, these are interchangeable. And he brings in the inaugural kingdom on earth, kingdom of heaven has now come to earth. And then in chapters 8 through 10, he actually demonstrates uh, what it means to have the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And he does that through signs and wonders, through healing and miracles. He heals the leper. He heals the centurion's servant. He heals the sick mother. He casts out demons. And he does this uh, continuously. Uh, he's preaching the gospel. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's proclaiming the kingdom is here and is now. And he demonstrates that through power. Then in chapter 10, he turns to his disciples and he says, okay. Now you, right? Now it's like when, when I train my fellows in procedures and they're watching me do these procedures, they're like, oh, great, great, you know, it's cool, cool, whatever. And I say, and then I hand them the scope and I said, okay, now you. And they're like, uh, okay. So a little bit uh, of tension there when Jesus says to his disciples in chapter 10, now you, go, uh, preach the good news, heal the sick, cast out demons in my name, preach the good news, Heal the sick, cast out demons in my name. And so that's the tension I want to bring back uh, to us today. Then in chapter uh, 11 through 13, uh, we uh, now get a glimpse of the response, the different responses amongst different groups of people to Jesus, his proclamation of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, um, and who he is. Uh, the messianic king to usher in the kingdom. And the responses are all over the place from very positive, yeah, Jesus, you're the Messiah. We will follow you. We believe in you. To, eh, we don't know, sitting on the fence, kind of. To very negative, uh, you are not the Messiah. You are an imposter. We'll have nothing to do with you. Um, and, and very rebellious and, and actually hateful of what Jesus is saying. 
And so Jesus then gives these parables about the kingdom and how the seeds are sown and different reception of, of God's word and the, and the kingdom of heaven on earth. Then we get to uh, chapters 14 and 20. Here Jesus is again talking about the kingdom and now focusing on kingdom values. And Wilson preached the last couple of weeks on this upside-down kingdom. In the kingdom of God, you know, the meek uh, sh- shall, be, shall be raised. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you, and you serve, you lead by serving. And the kingdom is upside-down. Uh, the values are so much different than the values of the world. So that was a two-minute review of the first 20 chapters of Matthew. For those of you who may not have remembered all the way back. Um, So now we're at today's passage. So let's uh, read this together. Uh, And as they went out of Jericho, uh, so Jesus is finishing his his ministry in Jericho. And he's about to head to Jerusalem, as Wilson talked about last week, uh, to to really face his uh, cruel death. Um, A great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be open. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Uh, There's a lot to unpack in this passage by itself, but I'm not going to go verse by verse exegetically. I'm going to use this as a launch point to really talk about our role in healing with Jesus. So this passage then brings something, uh, that tension to mind for me, and that is, We can sit here and watch Jesus heal this person, heal that person, cast out the demon, heal this person. And we're like, okay, good. You did one more before you entered Jerusalem. You healed another two blind men. And so there's a sense of go, Jesus, and we can sit here passively admiring what Jesus can do. The tension is, remember back in chapter 10 when Jesus says, you go and you preach and you heal and you cast out demon. And so the question that I want us to all struggle with a little bit today is, are we called to heal like Jesus did? In other words, do these supernatural healings still occur today? And then if so, what are the guiding principles for you and I as we walk into this kingdom healing ministry? What are the key uh, principles? So we're going to take two aspects of this. So the first aspect is, are we called to heal like Jesus? And here I just want to just go through some key verses that many of us are so familiar with. Uh, This is, uh, we'll talk about the Great Commission in both Matthew and Mark. So Matthew 28, Jesus came and said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and because of that, Go, right? And that's, again, reflection of, of, of chapter 10. Jesus says, I'm the sheriff, and I own this town, and I deputize you guys, and go do likewise. Go make disciples, teaching them to observe all that, he, 
that I have commanded you. And behold, I will with, be with you to the end of the age. So the Great Commission in Mark uh, says, He said to them, Go into the world and proclaim the gospel. Later on it says, Cast out demons. And later on it says, And you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So embedded now in the Great Commission is preach, heal, cast out demons. And then in John 14, uh, I wrestle with this verse all the time. It says, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And then the next one is 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 the real killer. Greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So it, it, it even, you know, when we ask the question, oh, Jesus, do you want us to do like what you did? This passage is saying, yeah, do as I did and even greater. And we can talk a lot about what does that greater mean, more magnitude, more qualitative, quantitative. But suffice it to say that Jesus is saying, yeah, what, what I've done and demonstrating the kingdom of God, I want you to do likewise. And, and so we wrestle with this because um, it, it's on us now, right? And so what's clear in the Gospels and in the Bible is that Jesus calls us as his disciples to save, to heal, to deliver, and to disciple. Save, heal, deliver, and disciple. I don't think any of us have problems with one and four. He calls us to preach the gospel. He calls us to disciple. Where we kind of are not as um, confident is in is the call to heal and to deliver. Um, so there's different uh, doctrinal um, variability and spectrum in, in the Christian church. Um, there are those who say, well, those miraculous healings and deliverance, that was dispensed by God for a time of the disciples and not after we have the Bible. So the dispensationalists will say, that doesn't happen anymore. That only happened then. It doesn't happen anymore. So you disregard two and three. You just do one and four. Others may say, well... It's still, uh, uh, it's still present today, but in very uh, special circumstances. Out in the mission field, there can be healing and deliverance, but not, not here in modern society. Uh, so th- there's a lot of uh, variability of how we take this uh, uh, command of Jesus to heal and, and to deliver. Um, so I checked with Wilson to make sure that I'm not speaking heresy. Uh, that we at Renew believe that, the, that there isn't a restriction or limitation of these miraculous healing and, and deliverance to the time of the disciples or, or any period of time where now it's off limits. Now the doors have closed and it doesn't happen anymore. Uh, of course, God can especially anoint a, a people or a period of time or a geographic location where he pours more out. Uh, but to say that it doesn't happen anymore, uh, we, we feel that that's not uh, what we believe. We believe that it's still available today. Um, so with that, I, I want to pause for a minute and ask my dear brother Paulo to come up 
to share a little bit. Come on, Paula. Okay. Hi, Church. Good morning. I'm glad to be here to share my experience with you guys. So, uh, Paulo shared with me a few weeks back something amazing that happened to him. And so I, I asked him to come up and, and share. And I'm just going to ask him a few questions, and he's going to share with us, you know, his, his story. So, Paulo, tell us about your health condition and what was going on with you. Uh, I well, always had a, a back issue and with a lot of the pain, and I used to. I never had a treatment, a specific treatment for that, and I, I, you, I used to to take some medicine for pain, but uh, was like always uncomfortable for me. But I got a. a a really severe pain in my back like four months ago and I went to the doctor and I figured out I have two bad hernia discs. I saw his MRI, they were pretty bad. Yeah, and I started to use some medicine and I, I was using also a TENS that... Uh, I lent him a, a TENS unit which is electrical stimulation to just to decrease the amount of spasm because that was incapacitating for him. Yeah, and I was a shocking life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Paula was continuing to tr try to keep working, driving, uh, and uh, there were weeks when I saw him uh, barely, you know, being able to come up and, and walk to his seat and even get up to take communion. I saw the, the pain in his eyes. Uh, so, Paula, uh, a few Sundays ago, I think it was Father's Day, um, in the middle of worship, uh, it was the first set, I think, and um, I, I looked over and I saw you, and, and my heart was just filled with um, empathy and compassion for you, um, and I just felt God say, just go over and, and pray for Paulo. Um, and so I hesitated first because it was not the last set, but the first set. <laughs> um, and, but I said, okay, God, if you want me. So I, I went over and, uh, and I stood behind you and I put my hands on you and I prayed for you and I prayed for healing and I, you know, I just prayed uh, the, whatever God put in my heart for you. Um, so I want you to, sh and it, the, that prayer didn't heal you, but uh, <laughs> I, I failed, you know, but uh, but uh, uh, Paulo, tell us about that experience. Did, did you feel? What did you feel about me praying for you? I I felt like how God take care about us all the time and and move the heart of people, different people to to pray for you without we 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 don't need to ask. Uh, to specifically to God to to or or tell the story to someone to get the praise it's like God moves the the heart of the other per people to pray for us or 
And I think he's doing that with all of us, and, and we are praying uh, for other people all the time because God's moving that in our heart. So did you feel disappointed that you weren't healed with that prayer, or, or did you feel blessed? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I felt like I, I was blessed, blessed by your prayer, and I, I, I start to, I, I was like, uh, I, I had some more hope and, and uh, yeah, I, I, I was uh, uh, emotionally and spiritually uh, uh, um, motivated, I think. <laughs> Great. And then, so, then a week or two later, something else happened. Tell us about that event. Yeah, I'm an Uber driver, and that day was hard to make money. We have good days and bad days. And I started to pray to God to get a ride to LAX. I was in Irvine Airport, and I, I never, uh, I don't use to wait in the queue of uh, airports because we can take a long time and get like bad rides. But I received, I was there waiting for a, a, a ride from uh, Irvine Airport. And I, I got a ride to Long Beach outside of the queue. So I, I got like a, a little frustrated because I was praying you're, for You were hoping for a longer yeah, ride. Yeah. That, that ride was okay. And when I, I got Long Beach, I got another ride. And the, the passenger name was John, and I was listening uh, Christian, a Christian playlist. And he said, oh, I'm Christian now. So, and we started to talk about God, God's things and about church and about uh, a life with Christ. And he just said to me, oh, I, I really need to pray for you. I don't know why, but... I think I need to pray for you. There is something specific that you need. I pray for you. And I said, yeah, I have a bad back. And he started, started to pray. And I felt uh, the presence of, of God invading the car. And I started to cry and was the most, the best ride ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when we, we got the place, I realized we were in LAX, and I, I, I was really amazed about the, the kindness of God, mm. and I, I don't know who, he, who is he, I, I don't have his contact, but in the next day, I... I I was like, perfect, I can jump, I can dance, I can do anything. Praise God, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so nothing really happened immediately from your back, or didn't happen immediately? No, I think it was immediately, but my, my, my muscles were like uh, uh, hurt for a long time, right. so I, I think... Uh, uh, was was a immediate uh, uh, cure, but yeah. 
I, I just realized that in the next day. Wonderful. So, um, uh, amazing story, of course. Paulo, how does how do you like how do you feel now having received this? How does that affect you? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm a. I'm a. I. I I was cured, it's, it, it is a miracle, it is unbelievable. My wife and my family, they, they are testimonial. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry about my English. Yeah, yeah. No, you're great, you're doing great. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm I, so I... your family has witnessed this. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. And you, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were following me. You are with me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Paulo. Oh, thank Amazing you. testimony of, of God's working in your life and his love for you and your family. I think a big round of applause for Paulo and for God. Thank you, you Paulo. Um, yeah, I'm j I was just blown away when, when Paulo shared that with me. And... Um, I think first and foremost for me, it's, it's like the, the song, the, the amazing love of God that pursues us. God was pursuing him and putting in people's, different people's hearts, including a stranger, John, to, to pray for him and to extend God's love on him and eventually to, to do a miracle and, and to heal him. So I think the question is, does this stuff happen still, I think, is, is, is done? Um, we, 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 we want to look at now, thank you, <laughs> we want to look at now, you know, what are some guiding principles uh, for us uh, in, in terms of, for us to be the John who stepped into the Uber, what does that, what does that mean for us? You and I are, are that, that person. Um, so if we go back to the passage, I, I want to highlight two guiding principles that I think we can glean from this passage. The first guiding principle for us as healers participating with Jesus is in those two small words, and Jesus in pity touched their eyes. Uh, that's the ESV translation. Um, there are other translations. Um, pity is translated as Jesus had passion on them, NIV. Uh, Jesus was moved with compassion, then NASB. So very much the sense of intercession or intervention is sparked and fueled by compassion. That's first and foremost principle, that God lays on us a tremendous supernatural love for the other person. And it's from that love that, we, that we're moved to action and want to pray and intercede and intervene. So I have to do a little geeky greeky um, uh, because uh, the Greek word is uh, splanknizomai, uh, which is where the Latin is splanknik. And for our GI fellows, we know that that's your digestive system. That's your gut, right? Splanknik. Um, and so back in the Greek times, they felt, rightfully so, that empathy and compassion and pity uh, and emotions is GI-centered. Forget the cardiologist. It's overrated that the heart is the center of emotions. It's the gut, okay? Um, 
So it's the real sense of being moved in inward parts, to be moved as one's bowels, you know. Uh, and we all know that if your bowels are not happy, uh, if you've got to go, say, you're going to go. You, you, like nothing else matters. You're just going to beeline it, right? Um, and we all know in medicine that the pain of an unhappy bowel you cannot knock it off with narcotics. Any other pain, muscular pain, you can treat it. A visceral pain, forget it. You cannot touch it. It's so strong and overriding. Um, and also, you know, we talk about gut feelings, right? Uh, so I had to do that. Um, you know, sometimes we just have this gut feeling that there's something wrong here or a gut feeling that that's the way I need to go. So a lot of emotion feelings are, are driven there. And so this Greek word, Jesus had compassion on them. It's this overwhelming empathy, compassion, emotion, and feeling towards that uh, person uh, to move them into wanting to, to pray and release uh, God's healing on them. Um, so that leads me to this amazing book that we, well, we all know about, and I picked up my copy last week. And as I read the book, Called to be Healers with Jesus, and I want to acknowledge the team here that, that really did a great job with this book. Um, so when I picked up the book and I read it from cover to cover, I said to Christy, hey, this is like most of what I'm going to be sharing about next week. So then I texted Wilson, hey, is it okay if I use parts of the book uh, to illustrate the message? He said, sure, because the, the illustrations by Zach are way cooler than anything I could have come up with. So in the, in the book, it, it talks about the origins, right? The, the kingdom of God in the beginning was meant to have no sickness, no illness, no disease. But because of the fall, unfortunately, illness and sickness entered. Um, but when Jesus came... You know, he came to usher in the kingdom of heaven, and he healed, right? He opened the eyes of the blind. He, he healed those who couldn't use their hands or feet. I drove out fevers. Uh, he heals um, uh, the, the lepers. He, he casts out fear. He calms the storm. He raises the dead. And, and that's uh, all a perfect illustration of, of Jesus ushering in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but then Jesus said, I died on the cross to forgive you, and I rose again in three days to prove that I have victory over sickness and death. Perfect healing can only come through me. But I wanted you to be partners with me in healing, so I placed in you the empathy and compassion to feel the pain of those who, are, who you encounter so that you can partner with me in bringing healing. And the book goes on to talk about different healing occupations, uh, pharmacists, optometrists, OT, PT, uh, physicians, and so on, that we, we have a special calling to extend that healing. And this is an amazing book for, for children to allow them to understand their role as partnering with Jesus in healing. Um, but obviously, we want to look at this other than our call to a healing profession. I think what we're talking about today in praying for healing is especially so for those are, who are in the healing profession, but I think that really does extend to all of us. 
I think the John who got in the Uber may, probably wasn't a physical therapist. Uh, he was whatever he was, uh, and he extended healing in Jesus' name. So I want to, uh, I want to look at the next uh, principle, guiding principle for healing. Um, and that is to use your God-given spiritual authority in healing. As I think about Renew and I think about you guys, I, Christy and I are so uh, blown away and impressed by your heart for people, your heart to minister, your heart for the marginalized, for the down and out. So that empathy, gut, compassion, I think is, is super prevalent in, in this church family. What I think we don't grab as much of, and this is where I really want to push a little bit for you, is our understanding in the kingdom of God, what our spiritual authority and power is that's already given to us, that we can access and we can leverage. And I think that's where I'm going to make you a little bit uncomfortable maybe, but hopefully not. Hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll think about this and say, yeah, I, I think that, that there's some truth to this. So Jesus um, exercised his spiritual authority, and the men were healed, and he calls us to do the same. So I want to talk about where does this spiritual authority come from, and really it, it goes back to, again, the kingdom of God. So spiritual authority in the kingdom of heaven. Um, back about two years ago, I preached on Matthew 4, and I had this little video, and I want to show it to you again because it's been two years. It's a five-minute video on... The concept of, the, of heaven not being something that is there after we die in the afterlife and it's, it's in the future. That heaven, the kingdom of heaven, is actually right here, right now. And if it's right here, right now, we're living in two realities or two dimensions, like Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man, different, right? Um, so we're living in two worlds, two dimensions simultaneously, and we have the ability of moving between those two dimensions. So I'm going to show you the video and see if you can grasp that and remember it. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together, perfectly no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted 
God out, and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. 
the focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. All right. Yeah, I love that, don't you? Yeah. So, kingdom of heaven is here. And the kingdom of, and we're operatives in the kingdom of heaven on earth. And as such, with us come emotional, spiritual healing, changed hearts, forgiveness of sins, justice, righteousness, restoration, purpose, power, joy, peace, and yes, physical healing. So when Jesus says in Matthew 4, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and Wilson uh, exegized the word repent, it's not, oh, I'm sorry, it's change your perspective, change how you see things, change your framework to understand fully and embrace what the kingdom of heaven means coming to earth. And that is, we are now given spiritual authority to overcome evil, cast out demons, release blessings, confirm forgiveness, encourage, speak peace, and yes, heal. Uh, just a few more scripture verses, and then we're going to pray. Jesus says, um, you know, a few chapters ago in Matthew, hey, who do people say that I am? And Jesus turns around then to his disciples and says, hey, I give you guys the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And there's very much this sense of you being the transporter. You are, you are an operative in the kingdom of heaven who's, that's here, and you're an operative on earth, and you're the transporter. You can go between the two and bind and release between those two realms. Now, I've got other things that will get too nerdy, so I'll skip that. Um, and, and Jesus gave them authority to, uh, over unclean spirits, and diseases, and Jesus seats us. We are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's a whole nother sermon just on this, this verse, but we are seated now with Jesus in the heavenly places, not in the future. This is now. We are seated, and as we're seated with him, we're given spiritual authority. And again, we pray that God's kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and together we'll be invincible. So I want us, because I'm not going to let you go until you practice this, okay? So I want you to pair, pair off back to, to uh, your little group when we started. And I'm going to walk you through this spiritual authority that you have, each of us has. So pair off and decide, uh, maybe the worship team can come up and decide who's going to be the prayer and who's going to receive the prayer, okay? Just decide amongst yourselves who wants to go first to receive the prayer. If there's three of you, one of you decide, okay, I'll receive the prayer and the other two can be praying. And, but I'll talk you through it. Really, you can do this. Okay, so... Pair off, okay? Who's going to be, everyone know who's going to get prayed for? Yeah, everyone knows? 
Okay. You can do this. It's not too scary. It'll happen. Okay. All right. This is the lab part. Okay. Okay. So you ready? Okay. Uh, eyes closed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help talk you through it. Okay. Uh, step one. Holy Spirit, um, show me how you feel about the person that, uh, that you're praying for. Just, Holy Spirit, show me how you feel. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you that emotion that God feels for them, a picture of, of God with them, a word. Just, Holy Spirit, download something to me from kingdom of heaven that I could release to this person and, and, real, and tell them in your prayer now, you go ahead and tell them, once you get that emotion, word, picture, go ahead and just pray that over this person. Say, this is how God feels about you, and just go ahead and tell them. That's step one. Go ahead. Okay, ready for step two? Step two is... Imagine yourself in the kingdom of heaven. Imagine yourself in the treasure house in heaven. And there's so many good things in there. And you're looking around the treasure house and you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and a bunch of other amazing stuff. You're in the treasure house and you're shopping. It's free. Pick up something and you're the transporter and transport it back to earth and bless the person with it. So you're going to say, hey, you know, I just bless you with patience. I bless you with peace. Whatever it is that God puts in your hands to deliver, go ahead and deliver that and pray it to the person. Okay, step three, final step. You're going to bind or you're going to loose. The, the thing that they shared about wanting healing for, you're going to either release healing or you're going to bind up. So you're going to release healing, you're going to release peace, you're going to release joy, and you're going to bind up anxiety, depression, Whatever it is, so you can either release something or bind something relative to that healing. So that's final step. Go ahead, go.